0: This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work because business is personal.
1: Hey, More Than Workers. We recently got a text message from one of our clients who sent this article that talked about trust-based leadership. And it really sparked a great conversation via text message with Matt and myself and this client. And we were going back and forth and talking about the value of trust-based leadership and what it means. And this article says something that I thought was interesting because we don't agree with all of it. And so it's always interesting when we see articles where it's like, I think I know the point you're trying to make, but it doesn't fit with what we often talk about. And the statement here is this. Trust-based leadership is present when followers experience high levels of job autonomy and low levels of unnecessary control. I'm going to read it one more time just so all of our listeners can absorb that. Trust-based leadership is present when followers experience high levels of job autonomy and low levels of unnecessary, unnecessary control. We certainly agreed with the idea of you know high levels of job autonomy you know autonomy is a basic driver we've talked about before in motivation for employees. If we allow our employees to make decisions on how they impact their job on a day-to-day basis, they're more engaged in their job and they perform better. And also the unnecessary control part. You know, that's a, that's a thing we try to train managers. If you're a micromanager, no one ever said, I love micromanagement. Please tell me more things for that you want me to do on a day-to-day basis. It really is freeing up the employees. The part that we kind of didn't like was the followers piece. Trust-based leadership is present when followers experience a high level of job autonomy. So we thought we'd jump into this and talk a little bit about trust. How do you build trust within your team? How do you build trust as a leader or manager of a team? And then also, what do we mean by trust? Like if we're going to take that trust out for a spin, what does that mean? Does that mean we just trust that people are going to do what they are told to do on a day-to-day basis? Or is there something bigger here? So we are going to talk about that as our team at PeopleCentric. And with us today is our expert team that includes Diana Royalty, Mary Ling, Bethany Taff. And myself, Don Harkey, and then also our host, the Matt Griswold.
2: Wow, thank you for thank you very much. I just like reading the uh, facial expressions of my coworkers there and their disappointment when you start my name with the Matt Griswold. I didn't do it. I didn't tell him to do it. That's just how that's just how it works. So
1: if you want the machine to run, you got to put a quarter in it.
2: That's <laughs> <one>. <laughs> that is so good. That is so good. I like that. Okay. So this I this idea of, of trust. And I like, I like, you know, the mindset that we're starting with. And you talked about, first of all, you know, employees want a certain level of autonomy. And we talk about autonomy a lot. I think we've got that one, you know, in the bag there of you know, one of the ways to be able to help build trust is allow people to work with a certain amount of autonomy. The thing, Don, that you and I and, and the rest of us kind of get hung up on is recognizing some people. And we might just lead with a big bang here, but recognizing some people as leaders and some people as followers. Right. And that's probably where we would separate as people centric. That's probably where we would we would separate ourselves from that quote. Right.
1: Yeah. And that it's hard. I think this is a real basic thing in terms of people centric philosophy. There's this idea that talent and leadership are two of the rarest, most precious things that are out there. Like the like if we could just find an amazing leader to bring into our company then they're gonna just revolutionize us. If we can just find the right talent to get the right people in the right seats on the bus, we're gonna be amazing. And I get what you're trying to get to when you say those things, but I just don't think it's a particularly helpful way of looking at it. A different way of looking at it that we would propose is that if leadership is influence and you recognize that we all influence each other, then everybody is a leader leadership is super common it's all over the place so if you recognize that it's all over the place then the question question shifts a little bit it's not that we have to find the right leader it's that we have to change how we lead and how we all lead together and then if we recognize that talent is all around us then it's no longer how do we find the right talent it's really how do we unleash it and how do we make it sure it's aligned that by itself gives you a lot of insight, I think, on how to start to build trust. Because I don't know how you build trust if you go into it with the mindset of how do I build trust among my followers, right? That just, that, that's, that's the piece that kind we kind of push back a little bit on.
2: Yeah and this is this is something that you know is maybe very common for us because we do this you know we talk about this all the time but it's not uncommon for us to be able to go in front of groups of people with a new company maybe we're working with and we'll ask the loaded question in our minds and we'll say how many of you are leaders And they immediately go to hierarchy and org design. And well, I haven't, I have yet to achieve the title of that, you know. And so we we can then equate, and it's kind of the boom, the gotcha moment there of ah, that was a trick question because 100% of us are leaders. And so, foundationally, I just wanted to be able to start. Uh, start there. When we're talking about leadership, we're equating leadership to influence. But let's ask maybe the first question, because part of being an effective leader, I won't say part of something that leaders versus followers, but part of being an effective leader, since that covers a bigger a bigger swath there, part of being an effective leader is to be able to build trust with the team or the people that you're working with. Some people listening might ask the question of why is that important? Because I think old school management philosophy says they have a job, I pay them to do it. Diana's told me that at least twice, you know, and I paid I paid them to do it. Why is this whole trust and you want
3: state? the machine to run? You gotta put a quarter in it. <laughs> there,
2: there it is. Now I'm starting to now I'm starting to piece it all together. So yeah, so why? I guess the question I'll throw this to everybody here. So if 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 there are people listening and they're going, why is it important that the trust thing is even there? Why is it important that my you know me as a leader can trust my employees, and why is it important that the employees can trust? me as their quote unquote managerial leader.
1: A lot of times when we talk about like, what does a healthy team look like? You know, a healthy team starts, we talked about the idea of psychological safety before, right? And we've talked about that. We've done separate episodes of that. I have to feel safe with each other because I have to be able to make a mistake. And if I can make a mistake and I can in people I find out that it's safe for me to make a mistake, I'm still accountable for the mistake, but it's safe for me to make a mistake. Then I can admit mistakes, so we can openly talk about mistakes, we can solve those things, and then we can work together more closely. So that that's a big reason that trust is important is because it brings safety to the team, which allows yeah. for mistakes to happen and allows for it to get better.
2: Thanks, Don. Mary?
4: one of the things, just kind of what Don said there is when somebody can make that mistake and grow from it, then it allows them to build accountability as well. And so it's kind of taking that ownership into whatever they're going to do next. And I think that's a big part of trust as well.
2: You know, for managers listening to that, it it sounds almost counterproductive. That the reason why I don't trust some of these people is because I think they might fail. And we're going, listen, it's super positive for them to fail as long as you're helping them fail forward because you're, you know, look at the person, the employee that I have now versus the employee that I have after some troubleshooting, problem solving, project management. And even if they failed a little bit, I'm still ahead, right? Bethany, what were you going to add?
0: I think it also increases just levels of efficiency because you don't have people sitting around constantly waiting and checking in and asking, "Is it okay for me to do this? Is this oh, how yeah. I do it? Is it you know?" And that goes back to being being comfortable failing and being okay with that too. But it definitely increases that efficiency too.
2: I love that. I think that's a great point. I can think of a few different organizations that we have worked with where that's, man, that's a common theme. And what also is common a lot of times in that scenario is you go back to the leader and say, hey, so-and-so is waiting for your approval to be able to do this. Can you, where's that at? And they're like, I wish they would just do it. But then this goes back to that communication thing where they just never have that cadence, like the trust they think is there you know, separately, but they've never really closed the gap with the communication part to be able to say, yeah, I trust you to do these things. You know, and those are the types of things too. If we if we looked at it from the other side, is what are, what are some of those signs there? What are some of those things that that a team look? What does a team look like, or an employee look like that is operating without that space of trust? And I think both of you, what you had just said there, you know, they're they're not going to be as eager to raise their hand to be able to uh, try to project manage something, or they're going to be afraid to fail. And then then all of a sudden, if I'm afraid to fail, I'm not going to volunteer to do stuff. I'm also probably not going to move as quickly as you want me to move. Which the other side of that, and the reason why people call us is because I don't know what the problem is. They don't move at the pace that I want them to move at. And, you know, they keep asking me, it's my office is a revolving door. And a lot of times it's because that manager has built that environment for that to happen too. So, you know, it, it's kind of easy for us to be able to see that from the outside looking in, but hopefully we're building the case of why this whole idea of trust is important, more efficient in the processes that you're trying to run, more effective probably in the quality and the QA part of the things that you're trying to build, if that's, if that's the type of organization that you, that you um, are in. If I have a level of trust with my employees too, they're going to start proactively bringing me things that I hadn't even thought about yet, but they trust the relationship. There is 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 one of trust where they're proactively bringing me those things. I didn't have to ask them for it. They already know what it is that we're kind of shooting for, and, and they know that you know they know that I have their back, so to speak, in that scenario too. So, the next question we were going to get into is like, well, how do we build that trust? But I wanted to kind of deviate from that first before we really start to talk about how do we build that. And you know, we were talking about this ahead of time before we hit record. But we talk about this old school philosophy and management versus, you know, what the employees want now, you know, every, every job market in the country seems like they are trying to hire people. Old school management philosophy says, I trust you to do the things that you will know that I, that I tell you to do. Like I have a list of things that I need you to do. My definition of trust is you will do the things that I'm telling you to do. What types of employees is that manager maybe creating?
1: There's a book that's called Multipliers that's out there that I think is really good that talks about this topic. The idea is that how you manage your team impacts their effective intelligence at work and a manager who is giving away tasks and saying, go bring me the pencil. Okay, now go get the piece of paper. Now, okay, now sit down with the pencil and the paper. Now, here's what I want you to write on the paper. Effectively, what that other person is doing that's being managed is their, their brain is shutting down because all they're doing is just listening for orders. You're, I'm going to wait till you tell me what to do next. And they do what can look like spectacularly dumb things, but it's because of the way they're being managed. On the flip side of that, if it's like, "Hey, I need you to accomplish this bigger task," and now and, you know, ask me questions, and I'll give you a vision for what it is, and you can uh, you can use me as a coach, then the other person engages the thing. I, I just saw today where we do a lot with a Great Game of Business with a lot of our clients, and they we ask employees to jump into the financials of a business, which a lot of employees aren't financially very financially literate, and they don't like numbers, and they don't like to play with spreadsheets and things like that. And today I saw one of our clients, there's a, a, a designer who's been on the team and he's, he's struggled a little bit trying to figure out how to budget things like that. And today he came to the meeting with this really great spreadsheet laid out. I got emotional almost when I saw it because it was so well thought out about like all the things and it wasn't complicated about what he had to figure out and he figured out how to budget stuff. And a lot of it was just because he stayed engaged with it. And we could have told him exactly how to do it. And actually, we probably started the process a little bit like that, saying, here's how you're going to budget this. And he just didn't quite engage it. But whenever he figured out like, hey, I've got I just need to figure this out. He dove into it and then he owned that. So when you manage people without trust, you get if you manage people like they're stupid, (laughs) then you get stupid employees. If you manage people like they're smart and capable, you get smart, capable employees.
2: Not only that, we talked about the lack of communication too. If I don't close the gap on the trust with the communication to be able to help them along, then I'm I'm probably, you said stupid employee, your words, not mine, I guess, but I understand what you're saying. We're training them to be dumb in that moment if we're not closing the gap with the community, you know, regularly communicating with them too. So, you know, we talked about that kind of, I'm sorry, Mary, go ahead. What were you going to add?
4: No, I was just going to say, I've seen where those situations occur and then the employees get their check-in or their annual performance review and they're like, you're just waiting to be told what to do. And the employees like, well, because you don't trust me. You know, so there it is a vicious cycle that we see as people do their check-ins and stuff too. And it's kind of sad because it just deteriorates the employee a little bit more.
1: I love that, Mary. And I know from your experience you probably looked at that and took the next step and said, geez, if I have a whole string of employees or a manager that's complaining, none of my employees or take initiative, I just looking for employees to take initiative, you probably heard that and go, I've got a management problem. I've got a problem with an individual manager.
4: Yeah, that's correct. And then we had to go that path.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're on this call, you're like, none of my employees take initiative right now. There's two things. One is I, do, okay, are you feeling bad about yourself now? Because it's probably something you did. Yes. It's yeah. something you're doing. Okay. Now let's flip the scripts a little bit and say, the good news is now you can fix that. Rather than having to replace your entire team and try to find employees with initiative, now you can just change the way that you manage that team and you can unleash the talent that you already have. You
2: know, especially because we talked about old school management versus what employees are looking for now. It's a tough job market. If you're looking to hire people, you, you know we talked several times about being able to separate myself from other organizations or separate myself as a manager or an owner or department head or leader from other managers and owners and department heads and leaders and being able to have a great trusting relationship with employees, I think is a step ahead for sure, because employees now, they don't want to just be trusted with the to-do list that you gave them. They want to be trusted with bigger picture stuff. Like they, they look at themselves as a more valued asset to the organization than just simply the frontline worker maybe that you hired them for. They're, they, they're not viewing themselves like that. For the most part and we see this all over the country. they, they are looking for more of an impact on a bigger picture uh, scale and so you know they are capable uh, of being able to to handle more of those things. I think we've proven that time and time again with different types of organizations but it takes you know part on the on the company and themselves or the leader themselves to decide how much am I going to trust this person with and at what stage am I going to bring them along what support am I going to offer them as they are developing things like that Diana?
3: bring up a really good point about how trust is in, in an organization, it sort of lends itself to this, like, am I taking care of my people or am I, are my people taking care of at work? And I think Don, you were talking a little bit about how people are saying things like customer service focused and patient focused and how we at people centric are very intentional to say, like, it should maybe be team focused. Do you, can you talk a little bit more about why we've chosen that path and how you've seen that play out? Because I think it's a cool, cool intersect here.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's an internal mantra that we have a lot. And we say team client community. And whenever we're trying to make a decision on how we approach something or trying to prioritize our busy schedules or our busy time, we say team client community because we, it has to first be about our team. Now, a lot of times companies that that sounds counterintuitive, you know, you hear about customers for customer comes first, we've got to focus on the customer, you know, in healthcare, you'll hear it, like you said, patient centered care, like we have to focus on the patient, focus on the patient, focus on the patient. Well, it really, if you focus on your team first, and make sure that the basic needs of the team are being met, and that you're supporting the team, then the team, you're trusting the team to take care of the customer at the end of the day. So like I've noticed when we really focus on getting ourselves right, when we're good, we do great client service, we, we take care of our clients better. We've noticed and multiple times whenever we take care of internal teams, we've seen patient satisfaction scores shoot through the roof with teams that we've worked with uh, without working on patient satisfaction, just because the people inside are happier, they take better care of the patients you know, we work with uh, a couple of different police departments, you know, and there's this idea of community policing and focusing on the community. The idea maybe it's not community policing is the outcome that you're shooting for, but it really has to start with being officer centric. Um, how do we support our officers internally so that then they can also support the community? It has to start with the people and the talent that you already have.
0: Yeah. I just want to add to that too, because I think one way, I think sometimes like speaking to the We talk about leaders being everybody, but but hierarchic hierarchically, whatever, if I'm saying that right, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Owners, executives, presidents, whoever you are, managers. I think also we think about this of like taking care of your team and you as that leader that person in charge saying like, okay, then I have to take on all the burdens of my team as well. Um, And I don't think that's necessarily what we're saying too. Like it should be the whole team because I think the problem here is that we've seen, and especially people in in healthcare, I think we see this too, of, of there might be somebody who's in that leadership role and they're thinking, okay, I have to take care of my team. But then they burn themselves out or they are suffering um, because they're trying to take care of their team. And so I think there's a difference there, too, of if you're not you're not taking care of your people, if you're not taking care of yourself as well. And so make sure that you are considering yourself as a part of that team
2: yeah, I think that's a great point, Bethany, that you talk about, too, about understanding, okay. So what is it about uh, me? am i am I taking care of myself to be the most effective leader that I can possibly be uh, too? and and I think part of that is is recognizing maybe, maybe if I'm having a a trust issue or, or trusting other people or not allowing people to do the things that I think that they're capable of doing, I just for some reason can't allow it. We've seen so many times where maybe that trust or lack of trust has nothing to do with the team or the people that I'm working with now, but a carryover maybe from previous leadership that you worked under in the same organization, Gosh, we've seen that, I don't know how many times, like people are still operating under the same rules of the former CEO that retired 15 years ago, but they can't get out of that mindset and nobody's done a good job of trying to repair that. Or maybe you're tra- maybe you you're listening and you changed jobs and, and it's like a breath of fresh air where you are. And I wish I could adapt to that, but it came from this other style of leadership to where trust just wasn't a thing and and so being able to you know find I don't know a mentor or coach or something like that to help you maybe work through some of that as well to help you be an effective leader is is step number one Diana
3: yeah and I will say that I have never seen trust be unidirectional so what I mean by that is like if you don't trust somebody the chances are very likely that they don't trust you back so, if you're in a spot where you're holding on to things or you haven't worked to build the trust with somebody, they don't trust you either. So it is going both ways.
2: Yeah let's let's move our conversation to, okay, so you've sold me on this idea of trust. Yes, I, I think it's important to trust. Yes, I understand even the type of employee that I can be in if I have a little mutual trust with my manager. as a manager, I understand the type of employee I could have if I allowed you know a little more trust and, and autonomy there to to operate in the workspace. But let's maybe transition to how do we make this happen? Like, what are some steps, some of those tangible steps that, that people, and I'll just use people in general, like, what are some of those things that anybody can do in order to start to build more trust in the relationship in the workplace? Don? I think we have to acknowledge a little bit of a paradox
1: here. It's like, okay, how do I give somebody something that I need to trust them to do before I trust them? Right. That's the idea. It's like I would give I would let somebody else take responsibility for this area if I trusted you, but I don't trust you. So I'm not going to give you the responsibility in that. So I'm never going to find out if I can trust you or not. Like, like, first of all, recognize that. So, I mean, you have to start somewhere. Right. You have to take a jump. You have to take a little bit of a leap. You have to let people fail in some areas, potentially to be able to allow them to do what they need to do. And I think that's probably the first step is to give something that you can you would give to somebody Maybe in a controlled area, maybe don't give them the nuclear codes and hope they don't launch the missiles or something to start off with, but something in an area that's kind of under control just to just to see how they perform.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Don. Diana.
3: I, I am gonna add that this is one of the hardest things for me. I am not a naturally trusting person. I also have like serious control issues. Let's just put it all out there. I also really am a weird perfectionist. So to To actually trust somebody that they're going to do something is one of the hardest things for me. And I've learned very painfully and slowly over the last several years that if you don't do that, you end up doing everything yourself and nobody likes you and there's standards that nobody meets and communication fails. And it's just, it's the worst spot to live in. So definitely do what Don was saying and like give something and, learn over time how to trust people and how to give away the things and just check in and make sure they're still getting done so that your brain stops spinning but like learn to give it away
1: awesome i think it, i think it's also diana and i've worked together for a really long time and i think i i've got a very high level of trust of diana i hope she's got a high level of trust for me yeah which, which basically not- you just said may not be very high
3: <laughs> well it's not unidirectional i said that too so like if you trust me I probably trust you back. So yeah, I definitely trust you.
1: But I think that like the next things that you're thinking of is once you start to get some successes on some of those things, then look at, maybe start to look at the things that you wouldn't trust the other person to do. So like, if you think about things, like I got a good example. So like you think about, I trust Diana as a person. I think most of the time when we talk to a leader, they would say somebody that they work with, do you trust that person? If they work with them for a little while, they say, yeah, I trust that person. But that doesn't mean that they let that other person do everything that they would do in their job. So like we had, a we recently, we've been moving our files online around and Diana had some things that she was trying to move around on the files. And I had the one, I was the one that set it up and I spent so much time trying to figure out how to set it up. And Diana spent so much of her own time trying to figure out how to move files into the right spots. And so we kind of got on this call together and there were these moments of like, well, can I just move this and this and this? And I'm like, I don't know if you should do that yet or not. Like there's moments too, where you just like, can you just let it go? So challenge yourself on what are the things that you are afraid to delegate? Like what are some things that, and and even the things that not just you're afraid to delegate or give up, but what are the things that you just say, I would never be able to give that up because I don't think I've seen a leader anywhere. Let me challenge you. I've never seen a leader anywhere who says there's something that's on your plate that you couldn't get off your plate. I'd say there's, I don't think there's, I, I think there's nothing that any one person could do that no one else in the world could do somebody else on your team could probably help you do it and do it really well and maybe even better than what you do. Uh, I think that's that's a that's a, so challenge yourself,
2: push yourself. And maybe up. and maybe if if the answer is no I guarantee you there's something on my plate that they would not be able to do it might be because you haven't allowed them to do it yet. So right. they might not be able to do it. You might be correct. But you might not have created the space to allow them to be able to do that yet. Diana
3: Yeah. I, I definitely have a lot of things that I did turn over to a a previous employee that used to work here, Bethany Bishop, we love you. And it was super hard for me to turn it over to her because it, it was things that I felt like only I could do. I was the only person that had ever done it before. I built the system. I put it all in place and it was very important for me to make sure that it still ran the way that it should run. And so when I finally said like, okay, I can let that go. She did great because I had, we had built the trust and she knew my expectation. And, and I, I trusted her at that point, but it was a long road to kind of get to the place where I was like, I'm not that important and anybody could do this. I just have to let it go.
1: There was a team. I was at a conference in this, and a, a guy raised his hand and he says, I run a small team. And he says, my team, he says, I I trust my team members, what he said, I trust them, I've always trusted them. He says, but I haven't always really shown that trust by giving up things. He said, I had my hand in everything that I controlled. And then one day, he got up to get ready for work and fell over and had a massive heart attack, and woke up in the hospital, like three weeks later, like, like terrible story, like, like from that. So then he said, I'm laying there in the hospital. And he goes, first of all, it's like, where am I? How did I get here? I don't know all those things. Am I getting better? And he goes, but within the first 10 minutes of his consciousness, the thought occurred to him of like, what, you know, when he found out it was three weeks later, like, oh my gosh, I have my hands in all of these things in the company. And I didn't give it to anybody else. The company has crashed and burned by now. Like the clients can't be taken care of. All these terrible things have probably happened and all of that. And he says, by the time after when he recovered and he went back to work, he discovered that really it was almost business as usual, that the employees had stepped up a lot and taken over most of the things that he had done and they did a pretty good job of it. And he said it really taught him like a leadership lesson that how much that other people can do something when you do trust them. So sometimes it's building the trust with the other person, but then you also have to capitalize on that trust.
2: This is super close to the topic of delegation too, right? One of the main reasons why people don't delegate is because they don't trust you to be able to delegate. And, you know, working with different companies, you know, talking about that that whole idea of delegation, being able to give something to somebody then closely following behind them is not delegation. That's not trust either. Diana, you were talking about trusting Bethany enough to run it. Sometimes part of trust is me being able to give it to you. It's going to run well, but I also recognize you're not me. So you might do it differently than I was doing it before, but I still trust the process and it's going to end where it needs to end, right? Wouldn't you say that? Is that hard for you as well, I would imagine?
3: Yeah, for sure. And I'll I'll also, I don't want to speak for Bethany, but I think she would be okay with this. I know there was moments where she was afraid to take something from me because she knew that I was afraid to give it up a little bit. So I think that while we trusted each other at certain levels to build more trust, we had to like, let each other fail a little bit and maybe, maybe disappoint each other a little bit. And You know we always came back and talked about it but i know there were moments when she was like oh you're giving that to me like you're gonna be a beast about that and i don't want to deal with it you know so it was it was both ways where it was broken a little bit on both sides
1: yeah we see this happen we work with a lot of boards too for the hospitals boards and cities all kinds of boards and you know boards are volunteer organizations for the most part that they sit and then they're they're asked to approve a big expenditure or a decision that's made, a big decision that's made. And boards a lot of times struggle with that trust issue. They don't fully trust the people, you know, they're they're given the information, they're trying to make a decision on the information rather than trusting the person that brought the information that they're bringing the right decisions. So, and so uh, we've seen before like hospitals trying to approve like uh, pieces of equipment that people on the board don't even know what the equipment really does. And dive into like an hour long discussion about all the details. Did you price it out? Did you get bids? Did you is this the most expensive? Do we really need this? Like all those types of things. And really, they probably should have just said like, yeah. Do we trust the person who's bringing this? Then yes, let's 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 approve this so that we can move on to think about the bigger picture stuff. I think boards make that mistake a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And you know, one of the one of the things. And then Bethany, I'm going to turn. I'm going to come to you real quick uh, here in just a second. But one of the things, Don, that I know. You know, we've talked about giving this hard feedback too. one of the one of the foundational uh, things that an employee needs to have is trust that their leadership is trying to do the best thing for the company and for them and for the employees as well. And I know we've have, had to give tough love feedback to employees that are just stuck in that place of not trusting the leadership at all. And they're going, you know, our, our response, you know, when we boil it down, if they're just not owning anything is then why do you still work there? You know, and at the same time, we've heard from a couple of people in in the recent t- uh, weeks, uh, you know, making job switches because they they don't feel that level of trust with their their leadership or the direction of where the the, the company is going and the, and their role in it too. But Bethany does a lot of the coaching for us as people centric, and and we talked about you know trying to be able to help people overcome maybe some of that internal stuff to be able to help trust other people or build that level of trust. And, and I know we don't talk about you know specifics with specific people, but you, Bethany, do this quite a bit. I was just wondering, what does that coaching philosophy or coaching path look like for you when you're trying to help somebody maybe think about, gosh, how do I take the first step of being able to build trust? Like, is there a certain kind of recipe for success that you use to try to help people take the first couple of steps towards you know, trusting again.
3: I think what,
0: I mean, to echo a lot of what Diana's talked about and just like the process that she went through to, to have Bethany Bishop, like come in and help take some of these things. I think we just talk a lot of, a lot of what we do is kind of talk through those things and like, what are you afraid of? And like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And, you know, if you hand this to this person and they, do fail at it, then what, like, then how do we, then how do we handle that situation? And so sometimes it's just talking through like, what, like, let's just break it down. Like what, what are your fears in this? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's um, sometimes it's just their own pride. (laughs) I think I see that a lot of times where it's, it's, I have to prove myself. I'm in this position. I need to make this happen. So I don't want to give it over to them, not because I don't like them, or I think that they would fail at it, but because I feel like it's my job to do it. And when really it's, it's not, it's not really just your job to do it. you it's your job to get this thing done and to get it done. To the best of its ability, to the highest quality, and it doesn't matter if you're the person executing or if you have other people involved in it. You want to make sure that it's it's done at a at a really high level. And so, um, I think it's just talking through a lot of those kinds of questions, and then sort of just identifying like let's let's take the next step, and like let's practice, like let's take one thing and and bring it to this other person. And then I think another piece of that too is helping them, you know, if they are, you know, a manager, for example, and they're trying to, to learn how to, to do this and practice this is in their check-ins and in their one-on-ones with their employees saying like, Hey, here are all the things that I have that I really need your help with. Here are the things that I see, you know, you have these kinds of strengths, but what are the things from here that you are most excited about, or you're most passionate about, or you feel like you know, really play to your strengths so that you kind of give the other person some say in it as well. And you're not just like handing off things that you think like, I don't like to do this or whatever. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the ways that we kind of talk through it.
2: I love the then what question. Yeah. Because I think for some people that maybe struggle with that, they don't have that person like a Bethany or whoever that might be to be able to then go, I don't know if I handled that super well. And it's it's good to be able to ask that, you know, have that conversation. So, okay. So what if that does happen, then what? Mm-hmm. okay so what if that happens then what and yeah. and ultimately it kind of boils down you know you get to a place where it's like mm, that doesn't it's not as bad as maybe we thought it was but at least we can maybe proactively prepare on a direction if i can boil it down on the then what questions there diana were you gonna add
3: Yeah, i love what bethany was saying about it, kind of that then what stuff but i think it also lends itself to talk through psychological safety I very much knew that if Bethany Bishop messed up something my boss Don was not going to lose his mind over it, right? Like he he was he was not going to I mean, would he be upset? Would he talk to me about it sure, but was he going to be irate or do something that made me feel unsafe? No, he was just going to have a direct conversation with me about it. So there was this other element in the background where I felt like I could do those things. Don now has a bat in his hand. I don't know how he got a bat so quickly.
2: That's from our Louisville uh, sluggers trip. He keeps it now on his bookshelf just for authority when he needs it. I guess right now, Don, what would you add Lex's to that?
3: Muscles. <clears throat>
1: No, it's a great point. It's like it's easy to react. You know, I'm not, I am a high tension kind of person sometimes. And when things happen, I can react really quickly, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We got to fix that. But I have to be careful because, you know, when we say leadership is plentiful, I'm leading people when I do that. And am I leading them in the right direction? Am I leading them in a, in a, am I putting people in a position where they're going to say, I don't want to bring that to you in the future? Or I can't, I, like Diana said, like I feel like I can't screw up. And then so I can't, you know, I can't trust somebody else to screw up because I can't screw up myself you're absolutely right that 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 create that that flows down that distrust flows down
2: yep yep it's easy to identify mary
4: i think the one thing we have to remember is that we're all human you know it comes back to the simplicity that we're just all human and we can all make mistakes and still live the next day and survive sometimes people just forget that and they think of it more like sometimes a machine that you've got to put the quarter in to make it work but you know, in reality, it's just we're human, and humans are going to make mistakes.
2: Yeah, that's true. So, grace is a part of leadership too. We could build the whole thing off of this, as well. So, good conversation. Nice work, team. Let's let's land this plane and maybe go around one more time. What is your piece of advice here? What is the quick hitter that you would give? Maybe a tangible step that somebody could could do. You know, from hearing the podcast, okay, I'm in. Like, what's the uh, thing that really stuck with you that you would give somebody to take away? Who wants to go first? Don?
1: I'm going to say it. I said it as kind of a joke at the beginning, but it's come up multiple times since then is you got to put a quarter in it to make it work. That's not actually a bad way of thinking about trust. Like there's a little bit of investment to start the whole process. And if you once you start the process, it will run and then you can get some good feedback from it and it's worth it.
2: Great. Thanks. Diana?
3: Yeah, Mine's similar to Don's. Like the quarter for me would be communication, right? I I constantly go back to this all the time, but it never works unless you're talking about it. So if you're not having conversations to build trust, then you're not building trust. It's that intentional communication, put the quarter in, do the work. Yeah.
2: That's great. Bethany?
0: I think there's a difference between, we talked a lot about autonomy at, at the beginning of this and how that's such a big part of it. But I also think there's a difference between like autonomy and sort of a laissez-faire Type of leadership too, and so I just want to point out that there's a dif- there's a difference between it two. That doesn't mean like completely check out of your team and your company, and like just and being disconnected. I think there's a fear of 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 autonomy and that, and that's not really what we mean. So I think that yes, stay connected, support your team, and that's going to build that trust. Um, but don't bow out and say like, okay, well, I guess I just have to hand everything off, and I don't know, I'm not going to know what's going on ever.
2: So yeah, that's great. Mary,
4: I would say definitely go with grace, be human and genuine about your conversations that you're having. You know, if somebody makes an error, have that conversation with them, but do it gracefully and don't attack them from the top. Make sure you're right there along their side, bringing them with you.
2: Perfect. You know, I think the thing that I would say is, you know, the, the employees now are looking to support your company, not just in the job that you had hired, but they're looking at bigger picture stuff. I would encourage you as a leader, if you are hiring people, do your best to maybe instead of, you know what, I'm going to make you prove it to me that I can trust you. Maybe start from a place of trust and make them lose it. You know what I mean? Like start from a place. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. There's a reason that I hired you. I love it. You're at this place. I think you can really uh, bring some things uh, to the team and I'm going to walk along with you. But if I'm starting from that place, I think it's a much better footing for an engaged employee than to be able to start with you sit there until I feel comfortable bringing you along. Just feels different too. So, hope you enjoyed this topic on, on the More Than Work podcast. If you have other topics, we always love to hear those topics. Or if you have questions, we do like to hear from our listeners as well. It's always fun to be able to maybe go to these events that I've, you know, talked uh, talked about, and and listeners be able to come up to me and say, "Hey, I love your podcast." We just got another email, by the way, uh, team. I don't even know if you know this or not, but somebody sent me an email that talked about how much. That they have enjoyed listening to the podcast, feel free to email us um, as well. So, Diana, how do they get a hold of us?
3: Yeah, you can email us at morethanworkpeopleccg.com.
2: We hope that you enjoyed this time. We look forward to uh, talking to you next time. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.